Good afternoon, morning, friends. Whenever you're listening to this, welcome to Let's Talk Common Sense with me, Mike Omni. Before we crack on, um, I need you to hit that subscribe, follow, like button because we've got to get our numbers up, folks. The powers that be are telling me, Mike, Mike, you you got to get the numbers up. And so I'm reaching out to you, uh, faithful listeners. Uh, please consider uh, subscribing, following, and being a part of our journey. And if you haven't done so, share this podcast with people. But good morning or afternoon, evening, whenever you're listening to this, I'm so glad you're joining me on Let's Talk Common Sense. We like to expose people to just like new ideas, you know, uh, to give you stories that you would maybe not see in the mainstream media, to give you a different perspective. And today, we're going to be meeting one of the organizers of the Black Lives Matter protest. This lad organized a protest in Manchester with over 15,000 people. And guess what, folks? Guess what? He's 21 years old. I mean, come on. What were, what were you doing at 21? This is just amazing. It's just an amazing story, full stop. But I want to talk to him about, you know, the difference between the Black Lives Matter organization and the movement. There's been a lot of discussion about that. I want to talk to him about what we do now. Of course, uh, Black Lives Matter isn't really in the news anymore. Why is that? Does it need to be in the news? Are we moving on? You know, what, what, what's next for the movement or, or for the protests? Um, so yeah, I'm looking forward to, to doing that. So you, you're going to want to stick around for that. But before we get into that, I mean, it was a slow week for news, wasn't it? I'm joking, it wasn't. Of course, I'm sure you're all keeping up with what's happening in America. Rather than telling you about the American elections and the Democratic National Convention, I think you can find out about it by going on our YouTube channel. So type in the Commentants Network on YouTube, hit the subscribe button, and join the family that way. We've got lots of coverage about the, uh, on the American election. We've got videos we did, and, and I think it's just videos. <laughs> but we've got videos that come out every Friday where me and our political editor, um, Mike, uh, Michael and Pelfrey, we break down what's happening. And of course, this week was a lots of big news this week. Steve Bannon being arrested. That was big news. Um, Donald Trump attacking the Postal Service, trying to steal the elections. That was big news. Uh, you know, uh, uh, Kamala Harris's speech, Barack Obama's speech. I mean, there was so much to get into. And I won't bore you on this podcast. You can find out all the interesting details if you go on our YouTube channel. Um, I, let me just take this time just to pause. Everyone just pause. Come in. Everyone just come in if you're listening. Just listen a bit closer for a minute. You ready? Listen to me. I'm about to give you some great advice. Stop going to street parties. Okay, just just stop. Okay, just stop. Birmingham. This, uh, this is a report from the Yahoo News. Birmingham. The Birmingham police had to break up 70 illegal parties in one night. The, the city is on lockdown. I, I, you could probably guess why. But the Birmingham police had to break down 70 parties, right? Illegal parties. Uh, there was a street way, uh, street ray with a marquee. Um, <laughs> here's what Birmingham police said. They said, just stick to government guidelines and keep safe. Now, ha house parties, there's no need for that. Why are you having a house party? It's just, it's just, just stop, stay safe, stop spreading the virus, like, just, just relax. New COVID-19 cases in Birmingham City have been increasing for the last few weeks now. There was a record 351 new cases um, um, uh, in, on the 16th of, of August, up from 256 the week before and 144 the week before that. So the cases are climbing in Birmingham. People need to relax and stop partying. And if you're that if you're that person that's going for a party, don't do it. Now, just just to further scare you, the government announced on Sunday 
that the fines for folks who are organizing illegal parties will go up to £10,000 in England, right? Now, we've got, we, we, we got a bank holiday coming up next week, so I know people are probably planning some parties. Don't do it because you will get a £10,000. Uh, uh, if you have a, 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 a to, to give you more details, if you have an unlawful gathering that's more than 30 people, you will be eligible for that £10,000 fine. So please just don't do it. Just don't do it. Just don't do it. But uh, with that being said, like I said, I want, I want today to be about Black Lives Matter and moving on from Black Lives Matter. Um, if you're thinking, well, Mike, this isn't even in the news, then you're on the wrong podcast. On this podcast, I want you to be exposed to interesting news stories that the mainstream media doesn't cover. The truth is, the mainstream media uh, uh, you know, sees Black Lives Matter, sees uh, you know, riots, thinks it's really sexy, and so they put a spotlight on it. And when the next sexy thing comes, they move on. Whereas at this network, we're trying to keep the important conversations and fights in your ears, <laughs> in your minds. So sit back, get ready for a wonderful interview I did with Tyreek Morris. Um, let, let's, let's listen in. Right, folks. And now I'm joined by Tyreek Morris uh, from Manchester. He was a multimedia journalism student at Manchester Metropolitan University, but also he's one of the organizers of the Black Lives Matter protests in, uh, in Manchester. He's joining me over Zoom, uh, all snug, uh, you know, wrapped up in, uh, in some uh, blanket. I mean, when people think about a Black Lives Matter activist, I, you know, I kind of half expect you to be one in a turtleneck, uh, you know, two with just lots of books behind you. Oh, no, 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 no. You look, no. You look, you look nice and, you know, just, you know, just... Cozy. 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 Got coach, coach. No, for, for for total nets are saved for the events. Like that's saved for a protest. You don't you don't bring that out on a Sunday afternoon. <laughs> on a Sunday afternoon after oh, I, Sunday I, dinner. I catching you. This is this is your off time. I'm catching you. You catching me on yeah. You catching me on a on a activism free day. Black lives still matter, but today is the day where the activist rests. This okay. is where. <laughs> This is where the good Lord says, and today you shall rest. You shall rest. It's a Sunday, so that's correct. Well, listen, I'm interested because, because I, think, I think your story is so interesting, and I think listeners, uh, you'll you want to listen closely because you're, you're quite young, and I say that not, not to patronize mm -hmm. you, but to say like you're, you're in university. You're uh, 22, am I correct? 21, 21. 21 even. And on your Big resume, on. on your CV, it also says, you know, organizing a large-scale protest at 21. That's pretty, that's pretty amazing for whatever cause it was. It's just amazing. So let, let's talk a bit about that then. You know, how did that come around? How, how did the 21-year-old in Manchester join Black Lives Matter but also start organizing, you know, citywide protests? Um, well, obviously, obviously, as a black man, you know, you always do your average daily you know your fights for your rights that kind of stuff but when it came to actually doing the protesting and stuff like that obviously activism wasn't something i never thought obviously i thought you know as a black person you always speak up on yourself and your rights and you know for the rights of other black people um but i never thought i'd actively be doing activism like that um and so my one of my best mates um natasha she had been messaging one of her friends on twitter Ima who I'm super close to, she's like my little sister now. Um, and it was just fresh off of the death of George Floyd. Um, so they're like, you know what, we need to do something about this. And, you know, two twos this, created a protest. They've created London Black Lives Matter, um, 
which was trending for time. Um, you know, and loads of people use that hashtag London Black Lives Matter um, for their protests. And you know, Tasha put it up on her Instagram and her Snapchat and her Twitter and said, um, you know, make sure everyone pulls up. So I messaged her and I said, you know what, Tash, like, let me come help you out. Let me come help you out down in London. I want to have some involvement in this because obviously, you know, it's a big thing. Obviously, you know, there's been loads of things in the UK that's happened yeah. with regards to Black Lives Matter. Mark Duggan's there. Um, Belly Majinga's there. And you've had all the stuff from the USA, starting from Trayvon Martin, Samir Rice, all those people. So I was like, I need to, I need to do something. And that's where Tasha suggested that she wants a protest across the whole of the UK. She wants one in every large city that you could think of. And I was thinking, well, I'm in the next, the third largest in the UK and the one that everyone talks about after London, Manchester. So why not do one in Manchester? So I was like, cool, got straight on it, organised, well, straight on it, writing up a post. I didn't know what I was going to do. I just had a location and a time that I was set for. And I put it off my social media, that got one retweet, and then from that one retweet, it turned two, three, and then all of a sudden, I'm seeing it all over everyone in Manchester's story. And um, yeah, so I was the first person outside of Natasha and Ima to set up a protest elsewhere um, in regards to the ones on the 7th of June. Um, so yeah. Um, after that, there was a lot of interviews I did, um, a lot of donations I got so I could provide people with PPE and, you know, water, food, that kind of stuff, yeah. speakers. Um, and then the 7th of June came and it's a day that I'll never, ever forget. Um, what happened on the 7th of June? Why is it? Why is it? 7th of June is for protest day. That was protest day. Um, so... Yeah, um, I woke up that morning. I was so nervous for my protest. I was so nervous. And I got there and I saw like a good few hundred people there. And I was like, okay, there's, there's people here. Like, I'm really nervous. So then I stood up on this kind of bench thing opposite the tram lines in um, St. Peter's Square. And the guy who I had paid to bring his speaker down, his name is Mehdi. Um, his speaker and his microphone down. He was very popular speaker and microphone down there. And someone who was helping me organize for protests called Khadija, she wants people to start gathering around me. And, you know, this is going from hundreds of people to thousands of people now. Yeah. Khadija just like opened it up saying, um, welcome guys. Um, this protest was called for by Tyreek. Tyreek's organized this, blah, 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 saying a thanks. So then, I just remember hearing a big roar of cheers and clapping and it was the most overwhelming but beautiful experience I've ever had, ever. And I just spoke on there and spoke my truth. And, you know, I brought up other speakers. We did a march. We didn't plan on doing a march because we were just like, the police might stop us from doing this march. But we just did a march, took up the whole streets, locked off all the roads and the speakers from... You know, a really lovely lady called Miss Rose, um, an ex-gang member who turned into a university student studying creative writing, I think it was. Um, his name was Eugene. My friend Leighton spoke there. He helped me organise a lot of it. Um, it was just a big thing. 
That, this is um, just, it's just so amazing, man. Like how, I mean. Just, oh, it was amazing. It was beautiful. It, I'm painting the images in my head. But I'm just wondering, did you have to get permission? I mean, did you just literally just have thousands of people on the streets? Just no, no permission. I never spoke to police. Didn't speak to any council. I honestly, on the day that it happened, I because I went down home back to London the day before, um, because I was like, you know what, I'm gonna need to see my mom. I need to see my sister, my <laughs> grandma. Told you were gonna do this. I told her the day that I organised it. She was so proud and so happy. And we didn't tell for like wider family because they were just so against all of that. And then as soon as they found out I was doing it, they were like, yeah, we're back in this. We love this. Well okay. done. Um, but yeah, I went down to his mom because I was just like, I'm going to get arrested, so I'm going to jail. I'm going to jail. <laughs> I organised a protest that amassed over 10,000 people during COVID-19 times. Like, I'm going to jail. <laughs> um, yeah, I was, yeah, we didn't really seek any permission from anywhere else, anyone regarding like council or police. And I was, I mean, it's, I was it's, bricking it's it. It's a wonderful Tyreek. It's a wonderful feat, Tyreek. Because I know you'll you'll be like, yeah, I'm just doing it. You know, I'm just doing it. You have a kind of way about you, a way of just like, yeah, I did it. But I mean, I, I think we spoke before, and I told you, like, for a lot of people, it's their first time protesting, and like, it was my first time protesting too. <laughs> there you go. First ever protest I ever went to was my own protest. Kind of priority. That, that's definitely a story for uh for dinner with your kids at some stage. Like, yeah. What yeah. will you do that to anyone? And you go, well... I'll tell you. I'll tell you, child. I'll actually, tell you. here's what I was doing. <laughs> well, you know what? You know, I don't have to, you know, stress to our listeners, you know, just how important the march was, what it achieved. I mean, we saw, you know, pretty much every major country or city in the world engulfed by protests. I yeah. Mean, our other team, our other team in Bristol, one of our teams in Bristol, they were the Bristol team that had the statue taken down so and they're now part of all black lives uk which is our little group so you know people taking down statues all across the world that was down to you know our other team in bristol doing that i was just like wow this is this is the impact that we're having i didn't know this and how you know what i've always wondered so how does that make you feel when you think about the fact that you're one black boy in manchester and you've decided to take one action, and then you're just seeing the, the impact of it. Now, what does it make you feel? Um, honestly, I don't, I can't put into words how it makes you feel. It, it, it honestly, if I could put it down to something, it'd be it's the one warmest feeling that you could ever have. The fact that you, as one black boy who you know, lived in London, moved up to Manchester, is a multimedia journalist and student and doesn't really, you know, it's just your average, you know, average black male. Um, and I managed to do that. And it, and not even just for the fact that I managed to do that, but the fact that so many people came out in support. It's for honestly the most warmest feeling that you could ever have because you just feel so wrapped around so much love and support and good vibes and good energy. Um, and it makes you feel like you're actually like before I turned to when I turned 21 in April, which was during COVID, I was on FaceTime with one of my best days. So I was just like, look, I'm 21. I've just turned 21 and I don't really have anything that I could say is a big accomplishment, like a massive accomplishment or something that I've done where I could say, yeah, like if I die today, at least that's my legacy kind of thing. And I was having like a real little crisis about that, thinking, 
what have I achieved in the 21 years of my life? And now I could say, well, I could die happily now because I've, I've made an impact. <laughs> well, I think, uh, yeah, yeah, you've got a lot more to do, Tyreek. Let, let's not. Oh, no, I'm not ready to die yet. We're not ready. I'm not ready yeah, to die let's, yet. Let's, let's just. Not, let's just... Yeah. Let's just say it, yeah. But I saw yeah, you yeah. Walking, so I was going to go, hold on, let's not go yet. <laughs> let's not go yet. And you know what? Like I said, you know, point blank, amazing effort. Um, and just just a, a good job. It just shows drive, uh, determination, and, and just stuff like that. So that's just brilliant. Now, I want to get into the meat of this because some of the cynical people watching those protests would have said, oh, please. What's this going to achieve? Mm -hmm. The UK is mm -hmm. systemically broken. Uh, protests, statues, the, it's like scratching the surface. There's some deeper stuff yet to happen. And, and so the, the, the narrative or the conversation I've been having with friends and equally with folks who are part of the Commons Network and to our listeners is like, well, okay, now that Black Lives Matter, the movement, as it were, isn't getting the attention in the media anymore. I mean, there's still marches going on, but let's be honest, uh, now it's the presidential election. It's the Democratic National mm. Convention. Um, and in the UK, we've moved on. We're talking about schools reopening now. I mean, do you think there's still progress happening? I mean, do you think things are still... Or, or was it just a moment that's now kind of, you know, rolled away? See, now, one thing that I'll never call this is a moment. Purely because, well, Keir Starmer went into the news and said, oh, it was a moment, not a movement, whatever. Um... Sorry, what, what, was that like... sound, what was that sound you made? Does it sound really musical? What, what, what is that? Were you about to sing? Or... Oh, that was, oh, that was me kissing my teeth. That ah. expresses in my black culture that I am vexed. I am um, quite annoyed in... Ah, a... <laughs> I've never heard it before. It's uh, really interesting. Oh, no, no. It's very ethnic. So, you know, it's, it's very ethnic. I'm sure you would have heard it. Like, your mum, like, just before she licks you down, whatever. <laughs> yeah. Right, tell me about the progress you think is going to happen after like, all this is said and done. Like the, the, the thing is, the thing is, like, what it is with this like, particular thing is that a lot of people, they treat a lot of things as trends. They treat a lot of things as an Instagram trend, like whether we're fighting black squares off or whatever. And, you know, the conversation was about the Yemen the other day. And they moved on from that real quick. It was about Black Lives Matter. They moved on from that real quick. Went on to anti-Semitism. They've moved on from that real quick. Free Palestine. All of those actual human rights issues. Remember when Greta Thunberg was trending all over the news for time? And now no one speaks about her because the whole way, just the world, this modern day society is set up is that they follow trends. And once that trend has died down, they don't talk about it anymore. For... Black people, this is really is a movement because this is our lives that we're fighting for. And with regards to that, there's so much things that people aren't aware of when it comes to racism and Black Lives Matter. They think that it's just a thing where, okay, we'll take some statues down and we'll, you know, we'll take some statues down, we'll remove Little Britain and we'll remove Come Fly With Me and whatever, whatever, because people are offended by that and they're all snowflakes. But really and truly, what needs to be done is we need to look into where it systemically targets black people. So when it comes to the education system, we haven't taught black kids or just kids in general black history, which is a big part of the UK history because the UK history was built on colonialism. Yeah. Um, when it comes to policing, there's a whole gang matrix and a section 60 that 
disproportionately targets black men. Um, in the NHS, there is a another disproportionate amount of women who die. Um, the maternal mortality, the maternal mortality rate with black females is significantly higher than it is to their white counterparts. And that's something that needs to be looked into and investigated. I, I found a study the other day that said that a, child, a black child who is born to white doctors is three times more likely to die than if they were to be born to a black doctor. And that's because you're saying that no one's saying that NHS is racist, but it's saying that there's not enough training for, you know, medical staff with black women and they don't care when black women are talking about their pain and stuff like that. Um, what else is there? There's so many other problems with regards to race in not just the UK alone, but across the whole world yeah. that we don't, that people don't acknowledge. And like with them not acknowledging all of this, you know, we just tend to go into a cycle of, you know, we're just going to go back into some racist times and some uh, having racist beliefs or, you know, being systemically oppressed or whatever. Um, it's things like that that we need to work on and we need to target on and the few little things that I just mentioned those are just the tip of the iceberg there's so many microaggressions in the UK there's so many so much disdain and hate towards black women like look at look at the Meg the Stallion look at what's going on with Meg the Stallion so like so many people wondering uh, what, what is because you said some really interesting things but, but what, what is Meg the Stallion is that some sort of a is that sounds like a is it a male <laughs> Uh, uh, make this make the stallion is a she's a female rapper black female rapper dark skin and very expressive um with regards to her femininity her sexuality all of the all of the above um and recently she was in a shooting where she was shot in her feet by another artist called tori lanes now one thing that's come about from this is that she's now she she didn't say anything at all she kept his name out of everything to protect him she said that she was to do to protect him because he's a black male and obviously the current climate that we're in is very you know against black males or just black people in general yeah. and you know she kept his name out of everything and then because he's been his publicists or whatever have been saying stuff, stirring up a pot, making out that she's in the wrong kind of thing. She came out and said, no, he shot me. He shot me for no reason. And, you know, this, that, the other. And so many people are coming towards Meg the Stallion now, making jokes about her being shot, making jokes about all of this and saying that she's a snitch and whatever, whatever. And, you know, it just shows how much people don't care about black women and people don't, you know, love or uphold or support our black females in our society. Yeah. Um, I think you're 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 um you're hitting the nail on the head with with the, the, the before we come into Megan the Stallion and, and black women, what you just mentioned because um, people often say oh what do Black Lives Matter actually want and that there is a another conversation to have about what's on the website of the Black Lives Matter movement versus yeah. what sorry Black Lives Matter organization versus what you in the UK. Um, as Tyree, an individual black 21-year-old male, what you wish for the future. I think there's a conversation there. But um, we spoke about this extensively when people go, well, what, what's the actual mm. policies? And when, when, well, hold on. There's, if you look at all these different things that you just mentioned, you know, whether it's uh, the healthcare system, whether it's policing, mm. whether it's the justice system, whatever it is, there's all these different statistics that we can pull out at will that show a displacement, they show a discrepancy, they show a lack of balance. Yeah. 
and, and it's a problem. And we don't solve it with a march. I mean, how in the world do you do you confront mortality rates through a march? No, no, that's that's just through walking. Imagine death. <laughs> uh, you think that what should I call it? Me walking up and down the streets of Manchester High Street or Manchester wherever is going to solve all of that. People yep. marching up and down. No. I'm, what it does, yeah. the importance of marches and stuff like that is that it brings awareness. It brings awareness. So then after you've had the awareness of education, the slight education, you decide, okay, cool. Let me read some books now. Let me sign some petitions now. Let me do this. Let me take... The march is to push people to start action or to make action. That's... I feel like people go to marches and they just think, that's it. Once the march is done, that's where we end. Yeah. That's... That's... That's it for the conversation or what we're doing. But no, the march is just, that's for adverts. The march is for advert and, you know, the actual you taking action and doing stuff, that's the product. And that's what we're trying to get to you. We're trying to get you to that part where you are actively anti-racist. You're actively looking out for your black counterparts or you're actively fighting for black people and fighting for equality within all races yeah. and listen, not so just listen, I, I've got a big question for you then because I read an yeah. interview you did and you said that moving to Manchester made you more aware of your blackness so yeah. you come from London move to Manchester so when you say that you know I had a really interesting conversation with a guest I think it was three podcasts no maybe four or five podcast episodes ago it was with this guy from Nigeria uh, who was an event organizer and we were talking about um, COVID-19 events I think the, the episode's called Will We Ever Party Again um, mm. And as a as a as a self confessed party animal, you told me already <laughs> off 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 air. You told me that you're a party animal, so we'll talk about that another time. But mm. um, <laughs> in, in that in that episode, he he spoke to me about obviously coming from Nigeria. Uh, he mm. lived in America for a bit, and then he came to the UK for university. And so when if I asked him is he black British, he would say no, <laughs> because he 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 identifies as being Nigerian more than anything. And I mm. guess. In America, you know, you've got African-Americans and, and they've had a lot of, you know, even post-slavery, they've had a lot of time to develop what, like a very clear um, conception of what it means to be African-American. I think there's, there's something there. Whereas in the UK, black Britishness is, it's not as uh, clear, right? So, so when you think about yourself, Tyreek, when, you, when you're marching, do you, do you see yourself as, okay, listen, I'm British, my country is broken and we need to fix it. Or do you see yourself as African or Caribbean uh, or West Indian, whatever it is, and, and you're in the UK just trying to make things a bit better, but this is not your quote-unquote home, and you're going to go back at some stage? Do, do you get what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. I know, um, I know this is a deep stuff. No, no, no. I, I like that question. Think. Obviously, I my passport's British. Uh, my background's Jamaican. I'm from both sides, my man and dad. My dad was born there. Um, I've... When I fight and when I do all of this, I do this as a British citizen. I do this as a black British citizen who has experienced this stuff firsthand. But when I um, obviously I always I always uphold my roots. I big up Jamaica all the time. That's that's my side. My side. Um, you know, when you're doing all of this and you're hearing all these disparaging comments and these disparaging remarks, stuff like that, you realise, you know what? <laughs> I could do all of this and like I could do all of this protesting and if they don't want to listen then cool us black people dip and go back to the country that you keep telling us to go back to like just run us our reparations and we'll dip 
Um, we don't have to be here. So we are, have you, got... are, you, are you actually willing to go back to Jamaica? You, you, you think Honestly, if if things weren't to sort out, like if they weren't to sort out anything, like you know, if things weren't to get better for us black people in Britain, us black British people, I I wouldn't for a second be against going back to Jamaica because that's a country where, as a black male, you're actually appreciated there and you're. You, you know, you don't ever have to worry about, oh, is this person going, am I going to get stopped and searched by this policeman or anything like that? Because this is somewhere where you feel and know that you belong. The UK, I know from the fact that my great grandparents came here in the Windrush, so, you know, um, the Windrush generation kind. Um, I know that I'm three generations British, but whether I feel like I belong here, is a different story and that's something that I have to debate and question a lot especially when I have all the you know when I have to see people who don't have, have a blatant disregard to black lives or the black lives better movement and it, you feel like you have no sense of belonging you go to somewhere where you're surrounded by black people people who you know your skin folk um if that's what you want to say skin folk um, then you're surrounded by people who are of your ethnicity, of kin, then you do feel like you've got a sense of belonging. So when I do protest, I just protest as a black British person. I also have the knowledge that I'm black British, but I'm also a British Jamaican. I'm also black Caribbean. I've got, there's so much more to me just being a British citizen. I've got so many different roots and, you know, past the transatlantic slave trade, I'm African. We're all African. So I know that I have an abundance of people who love and support me for my blackness and who I am. But yeah, 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 yeah it's, that's it's, how I feel I mean, about being. It's, it's difficult because it's such a, I mean, here in the UK, we have such a complex relationship of identity because, mm. you know, and we talked about this. I, I, think, I think I was on BBC talking about this um, when I was talking to Adrian Childs when he, he was saying, what do you guys hope to achieve? What do you hope to achieve mm. with, uh, you know, he was saying there's so many people in the, in the Black Lives Matter campaign who are all campaigning for different things. But what mm. concrete thing do they want to achieve? Blah, 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 blah. And I let him know the, the difficulty of that question is, I mean, one, I don't think any other group is, is, uh, is held up to this standard where, you know, if, you, if there's a march, everyone in the march has to agree. But well, no, that's just not how marches work, right? People come for different reasons. But two, the UK, and the reason why the UK is so coy about conf confronting history is because the UK has a very awkward relationship with history. Yep. When you were the oppressors, quote-unquote, historically, you were the winners. You were the ones doing all the bad, right? It, it, going around to different, the part, different parts of the world, exporting your version of democracy into countries that probably didn't even want it. When, when you were part of that, some people say, some people find it very hard um, as black people to then join or link arms with this country at the deepest level because they know that uh, crucially, when you go down to the deepest level, this country is broken. So, so sorry, this country doesn't work for them. Yeah. And I want to pose you a challenge, and maybe this is unfair because I didn't warn you for this, but I'm going <laughs> to do it. I'm going to do it anyway. Go on, go on. I, I have friends, and I think we've all seen it online people who've been offered MBEs for their service yeah. to you know, activism or their service to the black cause or whatever, right? Now, we've had some high-profile uh, people who've rejected an MBE, and an MBE is an award given to you by the Queen. It typically means, yep. MBE means member of the British Empire, for listeners who maybe don't know. 
um, and there's different gradations. You can get OBE, Order of the British Empire, and um, and uh, you know you can unite and so on and so forth. So you, Tyreek, so you know, you're you're out there, you're campaigning, you're you're marching in the streets, you're you're making a difference, quite frankly. What happens when the Queen taps you on the shoulder and goes, "For all your hard work, Tyreek, we want to make you." what a member of the british empire do you go yeah my gal keep it keep it keep it keep your keep your gesture as a black british as a black british male how am i going to benefit now off a system that took from my people that built up your country based on my people that killed my people that tore apart families of my people why would i want to do that the british empire is honestly the most problematic things that I could ever try entangle myself with. An entanglement with the British Empire. Keep your MBE, keep your OBE. Yeah, because whilst you might want to call me Lord or Sir in Jamaica, in the Caribbean, Jamaica, the whole of Caribbean actually, in Africa, in anywhere that's enriched with black people. I'm royalty. Mm. Keep your sirs and your lords or whatever, because I'm royalty elsewhere, baby girl. <laughs> the British Empire. <laughs> I'm, lo- I'm royalty. What did, what did Kendrick Lamar say? I've got royalty, got loyalty inside my DNA. I don't need your MBE, OBE stuff. I'm royalty elsewhere, baby I'll girl. I've, I've done a, quite a few episodes of this podcast. <laughs> I have not been called a baby girl yet. Um, that that was a <laughs> so <laughs> so uh, that's a that's a new one. Um, I don't know. Nah, not you, baby girl. The queen, baby girl, baby oh, girl. Keep okay, your OBE. Good. Keep your MBE. Okay, cool. I, I thought I, I was gonna say because I, I don't think you. No, no, no. Don't worry. You're not giving me my OBE or MBE, right? Oh, I can promise you. I, I can give you many things. Uh, COVID being one of them, or <laughs> I'm joking. I don't have COVID. That was a joke. That was a joke. Um, but, uh, you know, it, it's interesting you, you should say this because um, it's caused a lot of debate because, you know, folks always say, yeah, I'm British, I'm British, um, but then they, they would say not that British. Like, I wouldn't want to align myself with that. Um, and ergo, a lot of people don't quite know where to link themselves because whilst you have may have strong links to, to Jamaica, mm. there are lots of black young people your age who have never been to their home country, so to speak, and that's mm. inverted commas because... Of course, this is very much their home country too. Yeah, uh, and so they don't feel uh, at one with uh, with Britain. They don't mm. feel at one with, say, Nigeria. And so they're kind of left in limbo, having to kind of they, you know, they, they, there's no, they can't really express nationalist sentiments. The same way yeah. Americans like America. Um, it would be very if you saw a British person, sorry, a black British person in the UK with a Union Jack flying out on their on their balcony. I mean. Okay, people can't see it, but Tyreek is uh is uh reaching. I don't, you know what 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 I mean, it, it, but do you, do you not see how that's? I don't, I don't want to say problematic. I understand. No, I understand what you mean, though, because like there's a lot of people, there's a lot of black a lot of black youths who do all not even black youths, black adults too, who feel like they're stuck in this whole where do I belong whole identity crisis with regards to that and. Yeah, I feel like because there's a whole black community within the UK where it is very, there is obviously your Afri- uh, African versus Caribbean kind of debate, whatever, plantain versus plantain, you know, that kind of stuff. It's very much one. 
yeah, it's very much one community and you kind of find yourself in that community and you take bits of that and you're black British and that's what you're, what you are and that's what you pick up from. Like, you know, I have many, uh, many friends from different, uh, many black friends from different backgrounds and whatnot, but we are just all one community. We share the same banter, we have the same, we could do the same accents. Like sometimes I'll go, voila, I'm not, I don't have, what do you call it? I don't have any Muslim background in me, but I'll say, voila, I'll say, I'll call someone an Oyembo, but you know, I'm, I'm Jamaican. That, that was not, that wasn't that bad. Your pronunciation. Thank was you. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Um, um, you see, like we've got a whole community where we just share things, we share cultures, we share, uh, and that's, you know, that's where you find your identity in that black community within the UK. You don't necessarily have to go back to your roots in Jamaica or in Nigeria or Tanzania or wherever. Um, you don't necessarily have to embed your roots into the UK because not going to lie, I, as a black person, I wouldn't really be proud to be waving a UK flag personally. Yeah. Um, but yeah, um, yeah. When it comes to things like that, like you, that's where you find your identity within your black community. And if you don't want to do that, find yourself within your hobbies and interests and stuff like that. And you know, you might find your own community within things like that. But. Yeah. Yeah. I think you're right. We're, we're all looking for belonging, aren't, aren't we? And yeah. I think, um, one thing that's clear to see is that you've got an active tribe that you're a part of and, and you're making changes in the world and, and, you, and, and you know, you're acting based on your beliefs and you know, away, away from the politics of Black Lives Matter, the organization versus the movement and things of that nature. I think one thing that's, that's so great to, 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 to learn from you even is just that you know, if you're passionate about something, all it takes is one small act followed by another small act followed by another small act. Um, before you know it, that all cascades down and like you're actually making big change. Um, so I think, I think you're on a great track. You know, I, I, I look forward to keeping up with your work and just seeing all the great stuff you do um, over the next few months. And no doubt as we come out of COVID, there'll be lots of opportunities to do lots of cool events and, and lots yeah. of um, uh, just, just exciting things together. Cause, cause, cause I, I think, uh, you're right. Once one act doesn't change uh, the world, there's lots of small acts. No, it doesn't. And so we we need to have a lot more of them. But with regards to that, I mean, if any listeners are interested in getting involved in any activism, I'm sure you can find me some way, shape, or form, or follow all Black Lives UK. That's my organization i started up with natasha and ima um and a big team of great amazing people who actively put in work every day to push black lives matter and keep the fight going um if you want to get involved you know hit us up we're always here for a conversation you just want to speak or be educated and stuff we've got we'll have things for you we'll have things for you and you know Black Lives Matter doesn't just stop at a black card on your Instagram or a link tree in your bio. The triggering saying, some people. Um, just, just, just talking on the truth. Just, you know, just speaking my truth. Um, it doesn't just stop there. It's being if you're if you're going to support Black Lives Matter, with the great words of a Jamaican national treasure, Bob Marley, get up, stand up. Stand up for your life.